So we're doing our, our series uh, on the Beatitudes. If you grew up in church, you kind of know them as the Beatitudes. You don't have to call them the Beatitudes. Jesus never called them that. The church sort of threw that name on later. But they were eight statements, and uh, they're sort of an alternative way of looking at life. And they're alternative in a few ways. First of all, these statements are alternative to what was popular um, if you were secular. That is, just in the world, the way the Romans lived, the way the Greeks lived. What Jesus taught was very counterintuitive, very, very against the grain. And everybody would say this, and Jesus was teaching that. Also, and this is really important, it's counter to his own religious teaching. That is to say that, that the, the, the dominant way of understanding his faith, Judaism, was to go this way, and Jesus was teaching it in a different way. And so as, you, as we unfold these week by week, you will see that Jesus was teaching something that was different. And now what's happened is people have heard these over and over and over again. We provided you a copy. Did you get some on the way in? All right. And um, these attitudes, now maybe you've heard them so much, you don't understand perhaps how radical they were when Jesus first gave them. Um, but Jesus is sort of presented here as sort of the new Moses. So it says it's a sermon. He gathers people. He goes up onto a mountain. And this is right away trying to point to Jesus is teaching something that's very uh, similar to Moses, but in some, in some ways very different. And he launches into these uh, different sayings. Um, maybe the best way to think of it is this way. Jesus starts with blessed. Blessed is this, or happy, or fulfilled, or how about this, completely internally satisfied, because we don't have the right words always. If you looked at somebody, you said, there's somebody that you can tell on the inside is as happy or fulfilled or a satisfied person. And then he goes on to say what types of things or characteristics these people have. They're the opposite of what people think of in the world. These are not the people that you see on the cover of a magazine when you're checking out at Walmart. Poor in spirit, meek, right? These are, this, is the, this is the exact opposite of that. And so what Jesus is teaching is contrary. You would think of it this way. Maybe Moses was a little more stick and Jesus was a little more carrot, right? Moses, warning, if you do this, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. Jesus is going to say, you want to be happy? Do you want to be fulfilled, really, deep down fulfilled? Do you want to be blessed? This is, this is an alternative. I call it the eight steps of hidden happiness. And he starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Or, as some translations say, blessed are the humble. What is it to be poor in spirit, to be humble, to not have all the answers, to not know exactly the right answer? Maybe I could say this, to not be good at church. One of the things I always get introduced to when I'm out socially with people is when people find out I'm a pastor, they start apologizing. 
and they apologize for all kinds of things, how often they go to church and what the last four sentences they just came out of their mouth. And, they, and, they always, and then I always get to, I'm not good at church. I'm not good at church. And I always want to say to them, who cares? You know, who cares? Jesus comes and says, blessed are the, what? Poor in spirit. Maybe you could say, blessed are those that aren't any good at church. You know who worries me the most? Be honest. The people that are really good at church. Those people scare me. Why? Because there's this sense that they've arrived, that they've gotten there, that now they know everything, and now they're here just to share their superior knowledge with everyone else. Do you remember the story that Jesus tells about two people coming into a synagogue praying? One is praying, God, be merciful to me. God, be merciful to me. God, don't let lightning strike this synagogue, right? The other one prays, God, I thank you. I'm not like this guy over here. Now listen very carefully. Listen very carefully to the words in your head. You're too sophisticated, most of you, socially to let them get out here. All right? You're too smart socially to let the thought that's here get out here. But listen to the words in your head. God, I thank you. I'm not like that person. I'm so glad my kids aren't like that. I'm so glad our family's not like those people. Don't you see that Jesus says it is those people that just cry for mercy, that just say, I don't get it. I'm not good at church. I'm not good at religion. I'm not good at... I'm just here. And guess what happens then? Then your heart is all of a sudden, what? Open, ready, willing. If... What Jesus taught us is, here is a way, this is more, uh, more of a carrot. Say, if you want to be happy, if you want to be fulfilled, have your heart open. Have the sense that you haven't already arrived and that you don't already know everything. By the way, if you think Jesus is just talking about some nonsense, has nothing to do with daily life, okay, let's go to your office where you work. You get to show up to a meeting with a person that knows it all. They already know everything. You, you offer a suggestion. You just put someone. No, they already know everything. And they, they tell everybody that they. How fun is that meeting? How happy is that person? In other words, you know these people. They're the people that already know, that have already arrived. And they, this is what's important. They've shut themselves off from receiving anymore. They don't receive relationships. They don't receive information. They don't receive conversation. Why? Because they've already closed up the shop. They've already arrived. They've already determined that this is how you do it. So what Jesus says is this. It's okay. It's okay if you don't know. It's okay if you don't have the answer. It's okay if you haven't arrived. Think about it. It's the opposite, where they grew up fearing, if you break this law, then God's going to do this to you. And if you break this law, and Jesus comes and turns it completely around. And instead of threatening with this, what Jesus does is he shows them, if you want to be really happy, if you want to be really fulfilled, you have to stop knowing it all. Um, now you think about it today. Not just back then, you think about it today. Are people really that happy 
that already know everything. And they're so happy to tell you. Think about it. What's one of the first things that happens? Be honest. They don't get invited back to your house. They ruined the last party we had. No, it's true. They put people off. They push them away because they have nothing. They don't have anything. Why would you socially interact with somebody? Rather, I would just go to their school and let them tell me everything they know about life and then I would go home. You don't interact because there's no exchange. And this is so important because this is the first. Jesus launches with this. It's sort of to say, here's the opening pitch. If you're ever going to get anywhere in life in terms of happiness and fulfillment, you have to start by being humble. Humility is a hard thing to find. Sometimes it's thrust upon us. Sometimes we get humbled. But sooner or later, you come to a place in life where you thought you knew a lot of stuff. And then you realize later on, maybe you didn't know quite as much as you thought. Now, who could offer their hand there? Man, aren't you, is it true? Like, don't, aren't you getting tired though? Like me, I'm like getting tired of getting humbled or no? Just when you think, I got a few things dialed in, then I had a baby. Back to square one, right? I don't know anything. Now, here's what happens to us in life. And if, if we're willing, God takes us on this journey. And we start where we don't know anything. We, we start to gain a little knowledge. We start to gain, and then we feel confident in what we know. And then all of a sudden, new things come along. And we have to decide, am I going to keep growing or am I going to stop. The other thing that Jesus does with this is you'll see as the, as he teaches through these beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are they that mourn, blessed, right, are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, is what happens is this is more about the spirit than it is the letter. Now this is so important. Let's just talk for a minute. Everybody look. All right. If you're really religious and a little tense, take a deep breath. You know who you are. All right. You're a little wound religiously. All right. Just take a deep breath. I'm going to say something and don't just relax. Okay. Um, People always say to me, well, the Bible says this. Well, the Bible says this. Well, the Bible says this. To which I reply, no kidding. It's a really big book. Right? The Bible says all kinds of things. The Bible says you could be killed for talking back to your parents. We're not following that one, are we? Who would be alive today? The Bible says, don't have sex with your mother-in-law. Yeah, did you say that in church? I mean, you're the one that wanted me to quote the Bible. Why is everyone awkwardly weird right now? (laughs) Because you're thinking about it, or you wish you didn't think about it, or you wish I wouldn't have said it, or you wish it wasn't in here. Which? So, 
so right away, right away, we have to say, well, that's not really what the issue is. So we just have to stop saying that. It's okay. I, I know that there's things you can pull out that are great. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's in the Bible. But what Jesus did, and this is so important, and so many people miss this. They miss this. What Jesus said is, it's the spirit, not the letter of the law that matters. Are you with me? It's the spirit. What's the spirit of this trying to say? What is this trying to do? Not the letter. This morning, um, Charlie got up early. She, uh, her and I hung out downstairs, and uh, she was really fussy. I mean, really, really upset. I was trying to figure out what's wrong. And the doctor said, well, they either, they're hungry, or they have a bubble in them, or their diaper. I mean, you got the big three. And I, I learned with Charlie, there's actually four. And it's, they're hungry, they got a bubble in them, they need to change their diaper, or she wants to watch football with dad. <laughs> and so... I got it to the NFL Network, and uh, we, we wa- she wanted to watch classic NFL games. And so we watched about five this morning. We're watching classic NFL games. And uh, she loved it. I mean, she, you could see she was enjoying it. And it was, and, and there's a spot, and it's a, it's a game. It's snowing. It's in New England. It's the Patriots and the Raiders. And I have to say that. It's, it's, it, the, the drama around this game is all about uh, Tom Brady throwing a pass, going like this, okay? And he's going to throw a pass, and he decides not to throw the pass, so he brings the ball here, right? Somebody hits him, and he fumbles the ball. They lose the ball. He puts his head down. The team knows the game's over. The game was over because he fumbled. But they went back to a video review, and some guy in a, in a nice office in New York says, no, technically... His hand was still going forward, right? It's not a fumble. It's an incomplete pass, and they get another down. The Patriots go on to win the game. Everybody knows it was a fumble. Tom Brady knew it was a fumble. Tom Brady told the other quarterback a few weeks later that he knew it was, everybody knew it was a fumble. But technically, the rule state, are you with me? The rule state, and by the way, I'm ratting on my own team because that's my... That's my bandwagon team, anyway, the Patriots. And they give them the ball back. The pl- Everybody's devastated. How could you let, how could you, and they said, that's the rule. That's the rule. His hand was going forward. And thank God there's at least enough people that they, they went and they figured out how to change the rule. But when you, when you, look at, when you relegate human beings to words on pages, Eventually, it always breaks down. You can't cover enough rules. There aren't enough rules to write, which is why there were 10, and then there were 613, and then the rules just keep going and going and going. And Jesus simplified it all. He goes, look, it's not the letter, it's the Spirit. So what Jesus does as the new giver of the law is he moves away from technicalities and he moves into interior spaces like the heart. Because what was the intent? Was that guy intending to throw a pass? No, he wasn't intending. Here's a question. What's the intent? These are better questions. These are questions that matter to us because you know what? At the end of the day, we have all had enough. Well, maybe I'll speak for myself. Maybe you love. We've had enough of the religious ridiculousness. 
I found this in the Bible. I found that in the Bible. And we've missed the heart which Jesus pounded the table on. The poor in spirit. The pure in what? Heart. How many know somebody can do the wrong thing but have the right heart? What God does, humans look on the outside. They look at religion, they look at rules, they look at all this stuff. But what God does is God looks at the heart. And Jesus is teaching what we would call an alternative wisdom. The poor in spirit. It's the opposite of what most people think. But you've had moments where you've been poor in spirit. Where you've been, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way, where you've lost yourself. Where you've gotten over yourself. Has anyone ever told you, just get over yourself? Huh? If, if no one's ever said that to you, you don't have any real friends. I'll just tell you that right now. At some point in your life, somebody needs to tell you, just get over yourself. Oh, some of you haven't. Why? Because you push people like that away. Don't tell me about that. Wrong. Just get over yourself. But here's, here's the thing. We've all had moments where we've gotten over ourselves. What do we mean? I've lost myself. I, I'm just, I've been, ever been lost in a moment? Sometimes, here's a great way to lose yourself. Take yourself to the Rocky Mountains, getting some skis or snowboard. All of a sudden, you've forgotten about, you're lost in what? The environment. How about that? It's just, have you ever been to the movies? You get engrossed in a film. All of a sudden, you've forgotten about yourself. You're engrossed. You're literally into the story. There's a lot of little tastes that we have of losing ourselves. But what Jesus was calling people to was a life where life is not just about you, where you start to fade. Now listen, you're going to go, oh, I don't want to fade. No, actually, you do. Actually, you love those little moments. You actually go back for those moments. Where I forget about thinking about myself. Are my needs being met? Are people paying attention to me? How is my makeup? Blah, blah, blah. And you are there in a moment and you've completely forgotten about yourself. Has this ever happened to you? You've been out surfing and one hour went by and two hours went by and three hours and five hours and next thing you know, six hours have gone by. You haven't thought about eating. You haven't thought about anything because you were what? Absorbed. You were lost in it. On the other hand, you're trying to lose weight. You're trying to not eat. You sit at home thinking about yourself and not eating. Anybody? I'm going to think about not eating for another hour. <laughs> you, say, you see, Jesus was, he actually knew how to teach. You can lose yourself. And what the chore of life is, is to find bigger things to lose yourself into. He called it the kingdom. He goes, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. Not they get to leave earth and go to some place with gold streets. No, theirs is the rule of God. They're in a different realm. You ent they're entering a different realm. Look here. 
look here, this is actually possible. The problem is we took a lot of Jesus sayings and we put them in some weird religious category like, oh yeah, then it's like for people that are low lifes and then they get to go to heaven one day. That's not what this verse says. For theirs is the realm of God. You've been there. You've visited. You've had moments there. The other day, it was just me and Charlie. Watching her breathe in, huh, parents? In and out. Caught up, lost. Time didn't matter. I'm usually like, I should be doing something. I should be productive. I should, right? Anybody like me? Wearing yourself out for no reason. And I found myself not needing to wear myself out. Not needing to find things to do. Not needing to be productive. Does anybody else have this disease of needing to be productive? I, gotta be, I, didn't, I didn't care if I was productive. I didn't care at all. I was present. Maybe Jesus was teaching us all something. Maybe just being present is better than being productive. He goes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, the realm of God. Do you want to be happy? Some of you, you don't. Or some of you have said, no, I want to go with traditional happiness chasing. Traditional happiness chasing, just go to Walmart, stand in the checkout line, and look at the magazines, and look at all the things that you will never be. But go buy enough stuff and makeup and hairdo and whatever. to pr- Try to get to be this person, this car, this... But, they're not happy. They're smiling on this side and then wait next month. <sighs> Look whose life fell apart. Look who, right? Stop chasing fake happiness and enter into the alternative wisdom that Jesus talked about when he said happy, fulfilled, content, fully are the poor in spirit. Ready? The people with the gift of self-forgetfulness. You've been there. Some of you have done that and you've come home after a, a day of being absorbed in what was around you. Not you, but what was around you. It, man, the time... It, we say that we have a saying, the time just, what? Flew. I didn't notice it. Opposite scenario. Ready? Anybody ever have a job where you just sat there and watched the clock? (laughs) And we say, time what? Stood still. Because all you're there is you can just think about yourself, what you don't have. Jesus was really saying, he opens his thing with this. Do you want to live in this realm? Or do you want to live in this one? Get absorbed in yourself, just in your problems and your misery and your stature and, and watch time just crawl by. Or get lost in this realm. For theirs, he says, is the kingdom of the heavens. Theirs is the realm of God.
Everybody has to be a beginner sometime. Think about it. Whatever you're even good at today, you were a beginner at some point. You may be a master electrician, but there was the first wire you ever stripped, right? You might be a master plumber, right? But there was the first time you ever turned a wrench. You might be gifted at music, but there was the first note you ever played. You sat in that class. You might be a a professor, a doctor, but you sat in that class and you didn't know anything. Everybody starts. And listen, this is what's so important. If you've been the guy, who's ever been the, the person in class that was afraid to raise your hand because you felt intimidated, like, I don't know what they're talking about, but it seems like everyone else does. I'm just going to pretend my hand's up. Oh, you guys are, you guys are so lying to me, right? You get a class. I don't know what they're talking about, but I'm not raising my hand because I don't want to. Why don't, why do we do that? Because I don't want to look stupid. That's the only reason they're there. Think about this. They're there to teach you. You pay money for them to teach you. And they start saying stuff and you don't know what they're talking about. And you just go, yeah, yeah, sure. And there's one reason and only one reason that we don't do it. And that is what? I don't want these guys to think I don't know. And guess what? Ready? They don't know either. It's the, ready? It's the price of entrance. It's the admission. Admission is the admission. I don't know. I haven't arrived. I've got a lot to learn. He's teaching me. God's showing me. Remember the rich man who comes to Jesus and it says, and he walks away, what? Empty. Why do rich people walk away from Jesus empty? Because their hands are already full. Just like rich people walk away empty, religious people walked away from empty because they were already full. They're already full of themselves. They're already full of what they had, what they wanted. The whole key to the whole thing is to put your hand up and go, you know, I, I could use a little help here. Guess what? I can tell you the people in your pew, they don't know either. Just like biology class. They don't have the answers. They don't have it all figured out. Their family's not perfect. Let's stop worrying about that and say, you know what? Take me back to the beginning. Your life can be happy and fulfilled. But you know when it, people say, you know, sometimes when people get older, they get a little crusty. You heard this? But it's not everyone. I'm not looking around. I'm just saying this. I've heard these sayings and don't act like you haven't. Listen. This is very important because people, they start to shut down. They say, no, no one's going to teach me anything else. I already know. But some people are the opposite. They stay learning. They stay open. They stay humble. They, they're somehow beautifully mature and yet still poor in spirit. They're able to be lost in the kingdom. I think that's what Jesus was trying to teach us.
Um, I, I, I'm so running out of time on this, but listen, we're going we're gonna to go through these um, week by week. And um, next week, um, Dr. Anderson's going to be here. Dr. Anderson marched with um, Dr. King during the Civil Rights Movement. And I want to just set up this for next time. But one of the Beatitudes says, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. The kaiosune is the Greek word. It's really justice. Blessed are those that hunger for justice. Look, eyeballs. I did a message on this a while ago. When do we hunger for justice? When do we really care about fairness? When do you really care? When you aren't getting a fair deal. When your position gets taken by somebody else, when somebody else somebody does you wrong, you want fairness, righteousness, justice. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for justice. And we're going to hear from a firsthand, firsthand hero who marched with Dr. King. Unbelievable. And he's old but not crusty. 91 years old. You are going to be so blessed next Sunday morning. It goes on. At the end, it says, And blessed or happy are those that are persecuted for the cause of justice. Why? Because when you stand up for justice, not everyone likes it, as happened here in the South, other places in the 60s. This is alternative what Jesus taught went against the grain. And the problem is, listen carefully, the problem is once the church got into power, like 300 years after Jesus, once the church had the power, then the church stopped teaching alternative wisdom. And the church taught what? Just get in line. Just keep the boat moving. Just keep the train on the tracks. Everybody just say the same thing. Let's keep all the power. Let's keep everything under one roof. Let's keep everybody happy. And Jesus was a radical, revolutionary teacher. Or you would call him a prophet. A prophet. Ready? I'm going to do you a favor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Do you know where that verse came from? You're like, well, it came from Jesus. He made it up. Maybe. More likely... Isaiah 66, which every Jew would have known. Oh, Isaiah 66. Should I tell you what it says? No, look it up. 